Hello everyone, welcome back to the Hawkins Do Copy podcast. My name is Lauren. And my name is Emily. And in this podcast, we talk about all things Stranger Things. <laughs> Sorry that there was not an episode last week. Um, unfortunately, I was in the hospital. So as much as we did want to try and get one up, we just thought it would be better to push it to this week when we were all feeling all okay and it would be able to be an actual coherent podcast rather than the high on morphine as great as it would be to go solo for a week you know probably (laughs) maybe not you know it's not the same debates just aren't the same you know if you're debating yourself so we're here we're here this week we're going to combine what was going to be the second and third episode of this month of the new topic um into one episode because we think that that's doable Speaking of the new topic, Emily, what are we doing this month? What is the theme for this month? So the theme for this month, we're talking all things, well, I suppose to all things characters, really. So we're talking the party, the adults, the teens. We're, we're just talking backstories and all that combined, really. Yeah, so we thought that because the last episode was focusing on D&D and the D&D links with the show, it would be pretty perfect to go into this episode talking about the party which is the uh we wouldn't have the strange things if we didn't have the party they i mean they're kind of uh you know important part of the show we, we keep saying important part of the show everything's an important part of the show <laughs> yes i sort of think they are one of the key key points of it um so we're going to talk about the four boys and then a brief little discussion on max and l as well because they are party members by the end of season three they're both we did do a full podcast on 11 back in our first little set um so remember to have a little listen to that yes that Mm -hmm. that one goes into a lot more detail than we will today about Elle because we have covered so much about her already Mm -hmm. um and she'll pop up in so many different podcasts as well because again is pretty much the main character um and we are going to have a whole episode on max in next month's theme Mm -hmm. which i will not spoil yet um but yeah today we're going to talk about the party so who are we going to start with who is the first member of the party you know what let's let's mix it up a little bit this week and let's talk about dustin first shall we a a fan favorite I, i think I mean, he's, I'd say, I think he's one of the most popular ones, actually. I think if you ask people who their favourite is, to be honest, most people will say Dustin. And I think with good reason, to be honest. I mean, he's a funny guy, to be honest, to put it. He's put funny. In. He's the glue of the group. Mm. Brings everyone together. Yeah. It's quite interesting as well, because we were when we were doing research on it, and we looked in our favourite book, uh, The Companion Guide, The World Stand Upside Down, and there's a lot of a lot of comparisons with Lucas in a way. They kind of foils the wrong word, but they're kind of each other's counterpart in a sense. In a really good way. You wouldn't have one without the other. They really sort of bounce off of each other and work really well together because of their differences, which was really it's it's really fun because we know a lot about Stranger Things, but when we're planning these we end up going on huge tangents because we realise other things. Yeah. And then we're like, oh my God, this is so clever of them to have done. Like these these two characters are so mm. well matched. Yeah, there's in- a bit when we're going to talk about, say like Michael and Will, for example, we were looking at that book again and even goes down to the houses and how the houses like reflect their character and how they're put together. And it's just the details within it. It's just, yeah. I'm going to say the word clever again, but it's just so clever the way it, like, how thought out. Clever. Yeah. That's what I really like about Matt and Ross Duffer is that you can really tell that a lot of thought has gone into what they have created. So mm-hmm. as much as it is a fantasy sci-fi show with mm-hmm. alternate universes and dimensions and upside downs, there is actually, I think the thing that makes the show is the character building and the characters that we have, because you can have any sci-fi story, but it's not good unless you care about the people that are involved with the sci-fi story. That's something that makes Dustin, I think, especially that fan Mm -hmm. favourite, because I think in a sense, you, he's probably one of the easiest to relate to, I think, because he's kind of just that all around 
an all-around good guy, really. So what we know about Justin is roughly born in 1971. Um, Mm. We don't know exact dates. That's just pretty much guessing on how old they are from different... It will be, depending on how their school years work, I don't know quite how it is in America, it would be 1970, 1971, around that area. Yeah, Um, I think the internet um, have gone for the 1971 ballpark, but genuinely saw some pictures the other day that Americans have gone back to school, whereas the UK holiday system has just started, so it confuses me a little bit, so I'm not an expert on American schooling, so not clear um and we have claudia henderson who is his mom so we have yeah so dustin henderson that's his full name for i'm sure everyone knows that um played by gator matarazzo who does a very good job at portraying dustin and bringing dustin to life and we also know that mr henderson dustin's dad was in season one um at will's funeral but is not in the picture for the other seasons and it did say when we were doing research that he is claudia's ex-husband um so that's what we know about dustin's backstory what was really quite nice about dustin as well is that how they brought in gayton's own condition in a sense that they brought real awareness to that within the character because um Obviously, it wasn't written that way. So yeah. it's nice they've really taken part of him within that. We may pronounce the name wrong, so we apologise. We're going to try our best. Um, but clidocranial dysplasia? Clidocranial dysplasia, yeah, which is um, something that Gator Matarazzo has. And the thing that I really like about this, actually, that they put it into Dustin's character and have it as something that Dustin has, is that he openly talks about it on the show. Um, yes. and says what it is and what he has and it's it's mentioned multiple times throughout every season as well it wasn't just something that was mentioned in season one once it's mentioned throughout every season that we have which yeah. I really like because it's a condition that I didn't know about before I watched the show um, no. and I think that was the same with a lot of people and it's been really good because it has drawn awareness to to it and Gaten does that as well on his social media and everything which I think is is really really good and um, I like that they did that I like that they brought that in and have it as something that uh, Dustin's character also has because it mm. is a really good um, really good thing I think to bring awareness to and also other people that have it can see themselves in the character yeah. which is which yeah. is really good yeah so within the uh, book, I'll read a quote from this because I think it actually really explains Dustin quite well. So it says, um, he emerges kind of a counterpoint to Lucas. Um, he's able to negotiate conflict and diffuse tensions, often with a little humour and a little bracing uh, honesty. And um, where Dustin's a little more optimistic and a little more positive, Lucas is very tough. And I think we see that as well, actually, even through season two, when we've got those two kind of acting as that pairing that we kind of see more so when they're talking to max and they're trying to get her to come to the um halloween trick-or-treating even just something as simple as that where he's trying to press in that way and then lucas has got that kind of more why have you done that kind of attitude with it and you can really see how they're playing off each other which i think is actually really nice to see yeah and i think that that's a good way to describe him he also says about how um dustin is overly optimistic because he is not very optimistic inside which Mm. I think is is really good and I think that you get you do see parts of Dustin when he is scared and when he is Mm. wary of something or is worried about something but he does have that attitude of I want to help and I want us to get through this Mm. and I want to have that which really helps and and adds to a lot of situations I think we've mentioned before just briefly in a couple of podcasts Mm -hmm. is when he talks to Steve in season three and he says if you die I die you know he's terrified and you know that he is smart enough to be aware that there is a very high chance that they are not getting out of this Russian base or weird moving lift that is a weird alleyway to something but he's he is optimistic about the fact that, you know, if, if this is what's going to happen, he's going to fight with him and he is going to be there and fight and he's not going to sort of let the fear 
take over mm. he's gonna sort of keep that optimism which yeah. i feel like that's passed off as only on um kind of like a funny line in a sense that actually if you yeah. if you dig a little bit with it actually yeah that is a really good point that it does yeah. show that kind of that real that real commitment and that honesty but and also as you said that kind of i'm gonna act confident but actually i'm very aware that this could possibly go so badly and I think that he's also aware that him and Steve are the only two that will know about the weird stuff that goes on mm. in that situation. So it's mm. almost that, especially when they have that moment of realisation of, could it be the lab mm. connect? Like, could it be connected when they yeah. both stop in the hallway? And yeah. um, he obviously has known the horrors of Hawkins and what Hawkins has. Mm. But Erica, who is a lot younger than him, and Robin, who doesn't know what's going on, he is aware that they don't know. And I think there is that almost sort of protective, especially, yeah. I think, to Erica. I think he does actually want to, as much as he sort of winds her up a little bit, he does want to He does want to actually protect her, um, yeah. which I think is nice. And I think he's seen the way Steve was mm. and wants to sort of not emulate that because I think Dustin was very brave anyway yeah but he sort of wants to also he wants to be mini Steve but in a in a different sense I suppose yeah Yeah. I I'm gonna say I actually really like this has nothing to do well it it does in a sense but I actually really like that whole dynamic within season three too much they were the whole scoops troop and Erica um i was about to call him gate and then <laughs> erica dustin steve and robin i love the whole dynamic they kind of made it for me scoop street scoop street yeah. for the win um so when we were doing a lot of research on this we were looking at the party and their interests and it was interesting to think about they're obviously all very smart they're all very into science we see that from the get-go and um, they're into fantasy and sci-fi and you know they call them say about them being nerds and all of that jazz but it's interesting because I definitely think that Dustin is the more scientifically inclined one like it's something that comes to him quite easily you know he's the one that goes to the science camp he literally builds a communication tower you know he thinks I'm not going to be able to call my girlfriend on the phone so I'll just build this huge tower and I think that's what makes him so opt- sort of optimistic in situations because he knows what he can use and knows... That he, he knows his to... skills and knows that he, he can yeah. he can Im- implement it. That, I think that's the wrong word, but that kind of sense that he knows how to use what he's got, in a yeah. sense. Yeah. Which I yeah. think is, is definitely something which sort of shows that he's sort of the more neutral aspect of the party in season one you see mike straight away wants to accept Elle and be her friend and she's in the group and then we have lucas who is so against her whereas dustin Mm. likes her Mm. but is also wary yeah but he's not hating her and so he's sort of the middle ground which definitely i think you know with those three because we see Dustin, Lucas and Mike in Mm. very much together in season one. You know, like Will is a member of the party, but he's barely in it. He's barely with them in season one. So he's definitely is the mediator between those two because Mike and Lucas, no matter how good friends they are, are very opposite people. Yeah. And whether or not that's something that comes naturally to Dustin or that's something that he's learned to be in this friendship group because he knows the differences that they all have. It does, I think, that ties in with sort of his optimism that there can be a middle ground and they can solve it and let's make friends because we Mm. need to all be on the side and you got to say sorry because you drew that, you know, he's he, he has that because he's he's a 12 year old kid he probably is worried that his friends are going to stop being friends or there's going to be something happening and his friend is missing and he knows all of those things i mean you had that really nice moment as well when they're going on the bike rides and it kind of feeds into that whole 
optimistic because he's not very optimistic inside thing when he says about how he gets that Lucas is Mike's best friend because he hasn't been around very long and that kind mm. of thing. You get that nice moment from Mike where he's like, well, that's... Mm-hmm. Uh, because you're my best friend too. Keeping it PG here. And <laughs> you get that really nice little moment there, I think. And yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. If I was going to be friends with any of them, I think Dustin is one that I would really want to be friends with. Like, he's that person, if you get me. Yeah, yeah he is really nice. And he was so welcoming to Max and mm. sort of so willing to sort of have her in the party and stuff. And, <laughs> you know, I think he was a little bit heartbroken when uh, her and Lucas started dating, but he is still then, he's still their friend. He's still, he doesn't make it like an awkward thing. He's able to go, you know what, I'm... I'm happy for you and it hurts, but, you know, yeah. what, what can you do? Which is, which is good, which I think that, that, that very much sol- sums up his, his character, it's I think. Question, really. <laughs> it does, it does. And I think that he is, he is the, the sort of glue of the group. And I don't, I think season three is when they all realise hmm. we, we don't have this party if we don't have Dustin in it. Will says that to Mike, essentially, doesn't he? when yeah. they have the argument <laughs> and he says about well where's Dustin now no one cares about where I think we mentioned that last week as well when he has his outburst yeah. about it and I think in terms of briefly going on to Mike's character that's the moment I think where it kind of clicks for him where he kind yeah. of goes okay wow actually yeah you're right so the opposite of Dustin Lucas Lucas Sinclair played by Caleb McLaughlin, again, born 1970, 1971. And we know something different from Dustin is that Lucas is an older sibling and he is actually the only one who has, who is the prime older sibling, which we thought was really interesting when you look at their dynamics because Dustin is an only child, Will has an older sibling, so he's used to being the younger sibling. And that shows, I think, in Will, the way that Will is. I think the way that Lucas is shows that he is the older sibling. And the way um, that Mike is shows that he is prime middle child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think was actually really good about all of their dynamics is that the sibling situation really plays on who they are. Um, yeah. As a younger sibling, I can attest to having mm. an older sibling and the things, and like the way that you are treated and seen as the younger sibling absolutely mm. is a thing. Um, but yeah, so Lucas is, I think he, having a younger sister, mm. he wants to sort of be like, a bit like his dad. His dad was in the yeah. Vietnam War. So he takes a lot of weapons from that. He knows how to fight. We spoke about him being a fighter in yeah. D&D last week. He's always got something with him. You know, like mm-hmm. his slingshot, he knows how to fight. You know, he sees the fireworks and straight away he thinks we could use this as a weapon. And I think that it's sort of like a protective, like he wants to be protective. He yeah. wants to protect the people that he's around and even with Erica you know they drive each other crazy especially when he sees her and he's like why are you here this is you know you are a child Uh, even though he is also a child he does still want to protect her and there is that sort of protective thing there which I think comes from being an older sibling it's it's what my brother was like with me when he was he was like a another parent he was also a boy and he wanted to protect his little sister and I think that that is I think that sort of does come across with Lucas, which I think is what comes into his personality of we're trying to find our friend. Why are you letting this random girl come into our group? Like, we don't know who she is. I don't want her to harm us. I don't want her to mean that we don't end up finding our friend. And I think he is very sort of, I know what I need to do to make sure everyone's okay. Yeah, it's not not acting on instinct, but it's that kind of mentality that he's kind of I suppose he is kind of acting on instinct when you got that idea it's like yeah this is it we need to do this this is what I think's right and I think that is 
I mean, it's quite a good mentality to have, to be honest. I think it's I what think, I'm like. I think I, I think I am, and then I'm not at the same time. <laughs> I I am quite hesitant to things that could interfere with what I know needs to be done. I'm just trying to avoid the fact that I feel like I'm very much a mic in these kinds of things. <laughs> just trying to find different ways to get around it. <laughs> the other thing that is really good, I think, about Lucas is that he is one of the characters whose growth we see a lot in the show in a really, yeah. really, really positive way. He mm-hmm. learns a lot of things, and obviously he does have that initial hesitation to L, which is understandable because she's a girl they don't know. They don't know where she's come from. They know people are after her, and they know that she has abilities that could really hurt someone and you know by season three she's their friend they know she's not gonna do that i mean she literally put like a gun symbol to her head and we're just like yep we're trusting her we're perfectly safe you know so random girl from the woods perfect welcome to my room (laughs) so i he is one of my favourite characters. Lucas is one of my favourite characters and I really love his growth. I love that he wants to give people advice. He wants to help. He wants to make sure that everyone's okay. And when he sees that Mike is upset, when he sees that his friends are upset, he does want to help them. Yeah. And he does sort of have that, well, what can I do to make this right and and as an older sibling you know he's the only one in the group that is mm. that older sibling yeah. i think and it's almost very that. telling as well that i mean we we may presume that mike said something off screen but in season three he's the one that actually goes to will and was like look we are so sorry that i know we see mike knocking at the door and being like will come on let's just talk we're sorry but yeah. I presume that nothing's been said yeah. since then. That's what I'm going to take from it. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, like, he's the one straight away once Will says about not playing, mm-hmm. he says, um, no, like, let's play. Let's, yeah. let, let's play now. We're sorry. Like, he tries to sort of, he mm-hmm. realises the situation. And whereas I don't know if in season one that, in, you know, he, he grows up a lot. Um, and I really, really like that. Like, I really like that. And, and I think he has seen a lot from his dad. You know, he talks about his dad, I think, in season one. He says about his dad being in the war. I think so. Or it's brought up in season two briefly. Because I think it's weird with his family. I feel like we... I feel like out of all of them, really, we don't know as much about them. Because I think they're literally called Mr. and Mrs. Sinclair, aren't they? At the moment. And I'm really hoping... He's one of those characters as well that, for season four, I really hope we know more about or gets a bit more of a storyline rather than being almost the sidekick. Especially now Erica's in it more. Yeah, because if you think about it, in season one, yeah, they were all together, but he's still, really, Mike was at the forefront of that. In season two, it was Will at the forefront. And then Dustin and Steve. Yeah, and then Lucas kind of not acting as comic relief, but he was very much stuck in that pairing. Um, yeah. And then season three, he was kind of the sidekick, I suppose, once again to Mike, that they yeah. they had their counterpart thing. We haven't really seen... Like, obviously, we've seen Lucas the character because we've seen so much growth, but we haven't had that Lucas-centric moment. Which I want. I really want because I think he's... He is, I mean, now Eric is in it more. Like, I just hope we see more. She is such a little legend. I love her so much. Mm. And I just think, like, he obviously really respects his parents. Um, mm-hmm. The way, you know, he, that he talks about them and the way that he mm. obviously has listened to what his dad has said and taken that on and, and is sort of... You no, know, it's 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 season one when he's getting things out of his bag and he says about always being prepared. Like, dad says uh, yeah. to always be prepared when he was in the war. He mentions something like that. Um, yeah. Like he is very logical. He's very logical, <laughs> and I think he is. And I know so we spoke about him, his D and D sort of class and that kind of thing. But he does really fit his D and D class because he he is always sort of prepared and he is very logical. And if you say to someone, 
oh, look, here's this random girl we found in the woods and she can do things with her mind. That's yeah. not logical. That doesn't fit a logic that you're aware of. So you are going to be like, no. Yeah. This is weird. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, which I think is really good. And I think that he is actually one of the really sort of rational, sort mm-hmm. of logical characters mm-hmm. that we need in a story like that because once he accepts it he's like okay here's what we can do to help and here's how I can help to fight what's going on and here's what I can do to protect everyone but you can't you know when when your life is so uprooted like that you uh, bringing Dustin into it again just really briefly I think like Lucas and Dustin are in a sense of story probably the most two of the most important ones you think about it that Mike is there to be kind of like the I want more of a story from him as well, but because at the moment I feel like he's kind of stuck in the boyfriend category a little bit. Um, and obviously you've got Will that has all of that going on, and then you've got L um, who also has all of that. <laughs> yeah, and then you've got Max who is Max is my favorite yeah. i just want to add that like lucas and max are my two favorite members of the party and i think it's nice they'll bring max into it as well then i think it's nice to have those three to be kind of the more level-headed we're actually relatively normal people <laughs> shall we we were gonna leave max and Al to the end but shall we just briefly talk about max because she is so because I actually really really love their relationship because they are such a typical teenage relationship and I love it um I wish they had more interaction in season three actually I don't want to get too much into shipping and that kind of thing because that's for another time but they you could see so many relationships in those two and you watch you're like you know what you work because it it's it felt realistic. Yeah, yeah. It feel yeah. it feels like a stereo like not stereotypical, but a typical teenage relationship. You know, they break up a lot sometimes, and then like they drive each other crazy. But then there is that respect there, and they do care about each other, and they are friends, and they've yeah. got the same sort of sense of humor, and and I think it's really good. Max is quite similar. You know, obviously when Lucas tells her the story, she's like mm. needed more whatever she says needed more something um, yeah which is literally just like yeah i thought it was really nice the the way yeah. you told it because she's yeah. also nice. very logical and that doesn't yeah. make sense to her and i think they really sort of gel that way because they do have that sort of instinctual like mm. no i'm not gonna believe mm. this weird thing that's happening i'm not just gonna let someone i don't know like be yeah. part of my life because I don't know them and they're being weird and you know and I think that they are really good I I love Max like Max is is genuinely one of my favorite characters in Stranger Things in general um let alone just the party I think that she was a really nice like breath of fresh air that came into yeah um, I know that in season just to go to season three there was a few there was a few opinions about that Elle and Max storyline, but actually I watched it and thought, you know what, this, it felt like it was needed for me. And I loved that Max was there to kind of teach her the ropes, so to speak. Because I think a few yeah. people were really hoping that it'd be Nancy or someone, but I thought, you know what, actually Max is a perfect person to do that, yeah. that she's, to sound controversial, she's almost like the female Mike in a sense that she was there like mike was in season one to be like this is this this is a friend so she's there to go okay this is the real world and yeah. this is how it operates and i really i really enjoyed that because that. she didn't like baby her in any way she didn't mm-hmm. you know she takes her out there and the way that she sort of says about, like, you need to choose your own things outside of what, like, boys have chosen for you. Because as much as I love Hopper and I love what Hopper did and, like, he took her in and he sees yeah. her as his daughter and she sees him as her dad. And it's yeah. a, such a lovely dynamic in relationship. I really love it. He is a single parent. Yeah. And 
whilst he did have a daughter, mm. never of the age Ella's, yeah. and whilst he goes never to Joyce for advice, we know he doesn't yeah. always fully take that advice. Um, <laughs> whereas Max is that they're the same age. She knows, you know, she's got her mum uh, who would, would have like taught her things, and she sort of does say like, "There's more to life than stupid boys," stupid and and, boys. and also <laughs> you want to choose what feels like you and what you like. And she really helps Elle accept a lot of things and be aware of a lot of things, and sort of really teaches her mm. some some important things. And and then I really like. Max as a character I think she adds a lot to the group just want more about her backstory and and I think we see that for Elle very briefly in the last the last episode where she's reading the letter and even though she's wearing like hoppers she's wearing hoppers shirt again yeah. yeah but she's done it if we're like digging and picking again that she's wearing it in her own way she's got her own style in her hair she's just so much more it's so much more in herself and confidence. Yeah. And I think even Mike's interaction with her in that scene, in a sense, it, it shows that. And yeah. Yeah, I think that she really helped Elle sort of come into her own. Um, but obviously about Max, we know that she was close with her dad and obviously she was dealing with moving away from him and obviously dealing with her stepdad and Billy, who is an entirely whole podcast. I'm not getting into Billy now. Um, no. <laughs> not right now, but um, sort of that she's been through a lot, but I think she's really, she is really strong and, but then she's, she does also let no one something as, Something that has hurt her. I mean, like, we see even... Obviously, we don't know quite what's happened, um, what's happened between the gap of season two and season three, but something definitely has changed between um, Billy and Max, that even to the point where... I mean, I, I imagine, I mean, the, the needle-stabbing moment is going to do it for you. Um, and her literally saying that you stay away from me, etc. But from that moment, there is a kind of change, even to the point where she's calling him her brother and that she doesn't want him. I mean, naturally, you're not going to want someone to die who you're living with, but she's very much. You can see she's really hurt by all that. Yeah. And there is some like genuine love that. there. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't hide that. She she is like that. You know, he, he is my brother. And as much as I hate like all the things he's doing, it. Yeah. it is our, and and she can stand her ground but then she can also sort of be honest and be like this is this sucks and yeah. I do really like that about her character because she she's just very honest I think and really sort of down to earth and sort of is realistic and is logical and and I I really do like her whole dynamic and what she added to the group and we are going to do a whole episode on Max um yeah. next month so mm-hmm. We will talk in a lot more detail about Max next month, but she is definitely one of my favourites. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of favourites, another fan favourite who uh, is definitely one of the fan favourites is Mike Wheeler. My season one, season two phase. There we go. That Mike, when we were talking about him, he's an interesting character, to be honest. Like, as we said, the... Typical, stereotypical middle child, I believe you could say. The, obviously, we know he lives with his mum and dad and Holly, or baby Holly, as she's called throughout the show, and Nancy, and I believe they're called um, like a nuclear family. Yes. So t- from, from the appearance of their house and their neighbourhood and the voting sign that we see outside <laughs> of the house and... All of these things, they want you to think that they are the perfect mm. American family. When yeah. actually, when you go inside the house, Ted mm. doesn't have a clue what's going on ever. Mm. Karen was contemplating an affair. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about that, you know? So. I mean, it says in the book as well. It... There's a really interesting section where it compares the Wheeler house to the Byers house, which I think I mentioned a little earlier. And it says about how 
uh, Karen keeps up with everything has to be kept in like Tupperware within the fridge. There's all leftovers stuck in that and it's decorated in this modern yet fresh way, like clear from the magazines and it's very that. Where in comparison, you've got the buyer's house, which we know that they don't have as much money and it's very much, it's not up to date at all, but it's almost like it's filled with love. Whereas the Wheeler's house is almost filled with image. I yeah, and I Joyce think. is so aware of yeah. both of her kids and yeah. is doing everything she possibly can for them. Mm. And whereas, like, Ted doesn't even have a clue mm. what they're doing, you know, when Dustin comes to the house and he's like, mm. is Mike here? Is Nancy here? And Ted's just like, I don't know. Our kids don't live here anymore. That's literally what he says. Couldn't tell you where they are, you know? And um, I think that Mike... It's interesting because Nancy is old enough to be aware, she mentions many times, of what her family is actually like. Yeah. And she's aware of that. And I think she bonds with Karen a lot more in season three. Yeah. But before that, I think she was a bit reluctant to open up to her because she has been aware of the dynamic between her mum and her dad and what Ted is like and how sort of absent he is. Mm-hmm. Whereas Mike isn't like he is aware, but not as aware as Nancy is, I don't think. No. But he also is constantly reassuring and asking Holly questions, which yeah. is something which I have noticed whenever he is interacting with Holly. And I think that he has sort of taken on that role of, whilst he is very typical middle child um, and does get away with a lot of things, I think he has sort of taken on a little role of looking out for Holly. I mean, there's quite a big age difference as well, like compared to say like Mike and Nancy, where there's a gap, but it's maybe like four-ish years max. Whereas there's like 10 between. Yeah. So it's almost like he's having to be the older sibling in a sense, but also knowing very much that he's not. Yeah, he, he is sort of there for it. And he knows that like Nancy will be going to college and, but then he'll still be there with Holly. And I think when you rewatch it, if you look out for his interactions with Holly, they are there, um, mm. which I think is really sort of sweet and actually sort of shows his character a lot, you know? What I find really interesting about Mike, and it says this both in the book and also if you read the show Bible online, um, that Mike was originally written as very differently. And Mm -hmm. like Gayton and Dustin, they kind of shaped the character in a sense around the actor. So... Um, it says here, like, they really like to say, for example, um, Finn, so Finn Wolfhard, who plays Mike, um, his personality, and they thought it was funny. So they thought, okay, well, let's make Mike a bit funnier. And they like the wit and all that kind of stuff. So they really brought that in. And I think especially in, yeah, I think especially in spe- season, probably more so season one and season three, in a sense. Not so much season two, because he's very much caretaker for Will. <laughs> Um, that we do see that kind of like sarcastic tone coming through, that kind of very dry humour, and I think, yeah. Yeah, which I think is good for Mike's character. I think that's really sums up like Mike's character. And it's a good humour. It's, it's, it's my type of humour. I love a, I yeah. love a dry, sarcastic humour. Yeah. It's why he was one of my faves, to be honest, in like the earlier, my faves, <laughs> into one of the earlier two seasons, because I really liked that kind of personality i could see myself in that yeah yeah he yeah. uses that humor negatively in season three i think though yeah i don't think it quite works in his favor in season three and i think though he realizes that and i think something that i've just thought of which is really interesting and once again possibly controversial because i know that people very much like will needs to grow up etc but then within the way mike acts as well he's portraying that kind of I'm so grown up attitude that I think we said before is that is that picture online where it's like the 13 year old photo shoot is like my brother wanted a 13 year old photo shoot that is just so Mike Wheeler season three um where he's not really the grown-up one in that moment the way he acts is very much like oh no my arm it's like come on you wouldn't do that to a friend and like I think all 
I have been a 14-year-old who thought she was grown up. Like, I thought I was grown up at 14. I thought I knew everything at 14, you know? Mm. And maybe sometimes I was a little bit grumpy and a little bit cocky (laughs) for that. So, like, I can't judge him because we've all been there. We've all thought when we were kids that we knew more and we wanted to be grown up and we wanted to be accepted and we wanted this, we wanted this and all this stuff. Now I'm 25. I look at people that are 14 and I'm like a child, a literal child, because you learn that there's so much you don't know and that there's so many things. Whereas I think Mike is acting you know, he's like, well, I've got a girlfriend now and I can do this and, you know, like, I can do whatever I want. It's fine. Um, and I think he did sort of need Will sort of not take him down Out a couple him. of pegs, but do say to him, like, Mike, can you just think about all the things you've been doing because you've just not been acting great? Um, yeah. And... I think that hopefully in season four, his character will have changed a little bit more again because mm. I think you do hit that moment of like, oh, I wasn't acting great. Um, yeah. Not all teenagers do it, but, you know, I definitely was a little bit, I'm so grown up now, I'm 14, mm. 15, like I'm, I'm practically an adult, whereas I don't even know what I'm doing now, and that's 10 years later. So mm. I think that's something that he had as Hmm. as part of his character which i think fits mike's character because that's sort of yeah yeah what i will touch on really briefly though is that i know we mentioned it in the D &D video but his loyalty is something that i i do really like about the character and i know it really contradicts (laughs) with season three but for example like even his his character arc through season one and season two I mean, he's the way he is with Elle and the way he is with Will in season two, it's just... I mean, for example, in season two, he's sitting, like, by his hospital bed. Yeah. Like, to make sure he's okay. Yeah, well, even what you were saying earlier with the Dustin conversation, it's like, you're my best friend too. Like, he's yeah. not going to let Dustin feel like he's anything less than that. No, which exactly. is why I think when Will calls him out in season three, he's like, oh my God, this is, like, one of my best friends and I've made him feel awful um I also think and this is going to tie into Will's character and um Emily is going to hate me for the segue that I've just oh no (laughs) I also think that Mike as a character is very aware of things very aware of things that he doesn't necessarily say he's aware of Hmm. And then he says it and it's not necessarily in a positive light. I mean, once again, that argument, no. <laughs> yeah, let's go in. Let's just go in. We've got to mention it. It's got to be, it's a key part of, of, of the whole thing. So if you guys have seen season three, if you haven't, we've spoiled everything. So <laughs> you're in fault. Um, <laughs> there is an argument between Will and Mike in season three, which was a very big topic of conversation after the show. That's fair to say. For example, literally as soon as it came out, and there were multiple articles online, multiple discussions on Twitter about a little certain topic. Yes. Now, I when we were planning this, I said that I think it's really important to mention this because it is something about Will's character, which is a, which is a huge topic of debate. So, mm. little backstory of Will. We all know Will Byers, literally the main character in season one and season two. I would say, like aside from Elle, like he is a huge part. Joyce yeah. Byers is his mom, and we have Jonathan Byers, who's his brother. Lonnie, who's his dad, who's not a very nice guy. I cannot. We don't need to talk. We about don't need to talk about Lonnie Byers, other than the fact that the way that Lonnie treated them has definitely played a part on Will being the younger sibling, and I think yeah. that's sort of why Jonathan does a lot for them. You know, like he works so that he can help Joyce with financial things, and um, he's always sort of 
been looking out for Will as well, almost sort of like a another parent to him. You know, he he's been yeah. there for him for you know when you there is the same age difference between Nancy and Mike and Jonathan and Will, yeah. and there is a difference. Nancy cares for Mike and is looking after him and like isn't doesn't want to leave him and stuff. <laughs> but there is a difference between Jonathan and Will's interactions and Nancy and Mike's interactions. I mean, I think doesn't Mike seem pretty shocked when he's like Nancy's here? That kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas Will, in the slightest, I don't think would be surprised. Yeah. He's like well, Jonathan's here. Of course he is. He's going to help me. Yeah, you know, and like Jonathan was very, I want to say logical about Will's death. But also because yeah. I don't think he wanted to accept. He was able to be that um, kind of rational side and out and, of it, yeah. like yeah, sort of not actually experiencing it because he didn't want to. So he's sort of trying to be logical and doesn't want to yeah. hold on to the hope that his mum has because he also doesn't want to feel that. I just mean naturally you would. I mean in that situation, no, you're not gonna really believe that your brother is talking through the lights in your house. You are gonna think. A body has been found in a lake. It looks like my brother. It is my brother. One thing that is also very similar to with Mike and Will is that they both escape through fantasy. And that's something that's been talked about in the show Bible as well. That for both their characters, I think they're the only two that it's really mentioned as they escape through playing games and able to be a better version of themselves. Which is why I think in season three, Will is so holding on to that because he wants Mm -hmm. his sort of last happy night was when he was escaping and playing D&D and then everything happened. (laughs) And uh, Emily's favourite character is Will. I don't know if you guys knew that. I mean, if you haven't been able to tell four or five episodes in at this point, then are you even listening to the way I'm talking about Will Byers? (laughs) so he he just wants to go back to that i think and that's so obvious in season three and i think actually on that note quickly um and it has been in other articles as well that there are so many actually comparisons made between mike and will that i think it was ever the duffer said it was after season three came out where the way that mike's dressing now was meant to be portrayed in this kind of sense of i'm youthful but i'm now grown up Whereas Will's clothing is described as being like slightly too small, it's clearly hand-me-downs, and there's so much like between they almost not so much like the counterpoints as Dustin and Lucas, but oh, I suppose you could argue in a sense that Mike is kind of the Will if things were if things to turn out differently, but then at the same time, Will is Mike in a happy home you could argue no I get what you mean yeah it's difficult to explain but that kind of yeah I think the thing with Mike is that he does a lot of things that is expected of him yeah like get a girlfriend do this do this do this whereas (laughs) I think Will's house is a lot more accepting and like like just imagine the difference between the first episode when Jonathan and Nancy wake up and instead of shouting at Jonathan, Joyce just wipes the lipstick off his cheek and lets him leave. Now, imagine if they were in the Wheeler's house yeah. and it was John like and Karen was the one that had that in like it would just be entirely different. Like I think Karen is it a little bit more accepting, but it just would it just yeah. would be like an entirely <laughs> different interaction. Whereas so like I think Mike does things that are a bit more expected of him, whereas I think Joyce never pressures Will to be anything other than himself. No, and I think like when we were planning, I said that I'm sorry, the Wheeler house is a house, but the buyer's house is a home. Yeah. Which, yeah, that kind of explains it. I think we see that with Will even, well, in season two, really, when um, Joyce is talking to him, where you've got Joyce, Mike and Jonathan all talking to him, trying to get through to him. When she's like, mm. you did this, and the, the girl wanted to play with your truck, I think. And you said, oh, I'm going to give it to her because she hasn't got one and she wants it. And the rainbow ship, and it's like, I was so proud, and everyone was telling me, mm, and all of that kind of thing. But she was just so happy that he'd drawn this for her, and it was on the fridge, and it was like her pride and joy. 
yeah mm. well they are they are her pronoun i could go on and on and on about joyce Byers because like i just love her so another, podcast for another podcast for another podcast <laughs> <laughs> the time. um so i think one of the big things that spiked a huge discussion about will's character mm-hmm. is the potential of will's sexuality and this is something that has been noted in the show bible and obviously things can change and that a lot of this is also speculation at the same time that none of this is canon so to speak apart from literally what was written in the show bible (laughs) i i think it should be canon Mm. and i think it should be done well because we need well written good representation Mm. i that's why i love robin so much I think it feel to me it feels like a natural progression for his character and I think there is potential there for a really nice wholesome storyline and since I think especially with we got it a little bit with Robin which we will get into in another podcast I as well. I just want to say really quickly that I genuinely just love Steve's reaction to that because it was just so not hateful and was so supportive and accepting and just so wonderful and we need a lot more of that like Robin is an amazing character anyway and I just really really love that like it's just like this thing about her you know like it it, the whole scene was so lovely because it wasn't this huge deal no well it was because it was really hard for her to say obviously it is a really hard thing to do but (laughs) It a was meal just... wasn't made of it, in a sense. It wasn't yeah, this big, dramatic, you can shun me if you want, kind of moment that you see in a lot of other programmes. It was just literally yeah. Steve. Listen. And then he's like, yeah. oh. And then... Well, she can't sing. It's like... the, uh, the, the only thing he criticises is her choice in women. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, which is so... Which I just love. So with Will in the show Bible, he was described as someone with sexual identity issues. Which, as we said, it could be something that has been changed as the story gone on. Maybe with the, for example, the audition of Robin, or maybe Robin was planned. Um, they thought, okay, we'll use that as our character, essentially. Yeah, but also, like, oh, this is a whole rant that I won't get into. Like, you need more than one token gay, you know? You don't even need a token get you just need like natural representation, you know? Mm. And just because yeah. it's the eighties, people mm. still existed. A lot of this discussion has come from well, really right from season one, where a lot of it was more uh comments that were made. Um oh. that we won't quote exactly, but some not very nice things were said about Will. Um, but I think a lot of the debate comes on Joyce's reaction when Hopper says, Is he? Because yeah. she doesn't answer. Not that yeah. she knows. This is all that's all stereotyping, which is also another debate that I'm not gonna go into because I will go on forever. Um but she doesn't she doesn't answer his question. There's no like no, of course not. It's literally just he's missing, that's what he is. Yeah. That's what's more important. Yeah, exactly. That's what's more important. Like shut up, you know? And um, through season two as well, there is a big debate about this, but that is Something we won't necessarily get into, but it can be suggested. Yeah, I'm not going to go into shipping wars and who ships who mm. and what ships what, but there is the Mike and Will like argument, does Will like Mike? And that's yeah. why a lot of uh, the interactions end up as they are. Um, yeah. But obviously one of the biggest things mm. is, is in season three um when they have their argument and mike says it's not my fault you don't like girls and obviously that can be interpreted in lots of different ways um, and i think noah schnapp obviously who plays will noah and both finn say their opinions on that and it's very much it is left up to interpretation um i think noah says that he sees it as someone that is growing up has been left behind but he also does say I think it is up to the Duffers to what they do. And I think Finn says the same thing pretty much. Yeah. And also I think it's interesting to note that there were lots of different phrases of that line. Yeah. And that's the one they went with. 
yeah and i think it was in one of the articles that finn said um uh gave that he said it was originally it's not my fault you don't like girls yet and then they mm. played with a few other versions of it and as you said this is the one that they went with i think it's really interesting that they took the yet out yeah yeah, yeah. I think that's interesting and i think that that if it is you know open to interpretation if that is the way it is interpreted mike is aware of things yeah. especially if they took the yet out because if he wasn't aware <laughs> the yet makes sense but yeah um exactly. so i just think that's we won't go too much into that at the at the, at the at moment the um <laughs> but that's obviously definitely something that is a big sort of debate with his character um i think will will's a really interesting one because we know a lot about him but we also don't yeah because we don't see him in season one where we're getting to know everyone he's not there you know we know he escapes through fantasy he's a bit quieter um he is in his own head a lot and obviously his expression of himself Mm. is creative because he draws and gets all those expressions out and which i think is really nice and like really nice and we know that whilst we know that like joyce is doing her absolute best for those boys yeah and the family he's in is nothing less than so loving like bonnie aside will is someone that i could very strongly relate with not so much in season two because as far as i know i have not been possessed by an interdimensional creature but that is besides the point um just the whole i guess the arc in season three um where that kind of feeling of being like kind of been almost pushed aside because all your friends have been put in relationships and kind of expressing yourself through creativity and in like kind of the arts and that kind of atmosphere of it and being that's like quieter one and and what's about actually in season two that idea of the that idea of trust and the mm-hmm. kind of feeling like because I mean Mike is obviously the one person he confides in in that moment really apart from his mum but even then that I believe comes after Mike yeah the conversation that he has with Mike when he says about like everyone sort of like hmm. babying mm-hmm. and stuff yeah where he says about please don't tell Dustin and Lucas they wouldn't understand yeah 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 it's Jonathan that he says about people babying yeah yeah um which shows that he does want to be sort of seen as like not just a kid and and he does sort of want that but then also so much of his childhood was taken away from him because of what's happened to him which I also think is really important to think about in in their Mm. character differences because whilst they all all know about the upside down they've all experienced these monsters and these fights no one experienced it quite like will did no the only closest person would be l which is why i am so excited and we will get on to this to another point anyway i'm so excited to see how they're gonna work in season as siblings which is all i've ever wanted except i've wanted hopper there too <laughs> but yeah that as you said that no one no one's experienced that apart from l so he is just so alone in that and almost like trapped in his own head yeah way, there's still so much i think there is to learn about will like i said we we spent like eight episodes getting to know these you know the other three boys and yeah. Even in season two, like, we got to know him and their dynamic. But, like, I feel like we know Joyce and Jonathan more than we know Will. We know Will under the influence of the mind flayer, in a sense. But we don't really... We get a snippet of who he is in season three. But even then, he's still got the mind flayer thing going on. Yeah. So... Which is why I'm excited for season four, because I'm excited to see more of his character. And your eyes just lit up then. (laughs) I just, I am just, a, I am just a will bias fan. <laughs> oh, she's a will bias fan before she's a human being. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm. I'm excited. Oh, I've got all red. Okay. <laughs> to see more of and uh, to learn more about his character, which I'm excited for. So obviously, there is one more member of the party, which is L. Mm-hmm. Not going to get too much into this. 
L11, one of the members in the lab, sort of the most prominent one, the one that Brenner sees as his daughter, essentially, and um, a, a big focus sort of with her powers and her abilities and what she can do. But like we said, there is a whole episode on 11. So I don't want to repeat anything. We go into her as a character a lot and what we want from her from other seasons and what we want to learn. So feel free to go and listen to that episode. Episode three, episode four, one of the two. Episode three, I believe. This was our episode on the characters. Please discuss with us your favourite characters out of the party members and your thoughts on them and what you want to get from them from season four and your thoughts of on all the things we discussed and thank you all for listening as well the ones you have to do it does it is really nice to see like the little bits of interaction that we're getting everywhere so, so. yeah we are i'm seeing the numbers go up of people listening as well which is really really lovely like obviously it's not all about numbers we just genuinely just want to talk about stranger things for an hour um yeah. but seeing people actually want to listen and, and message us and say they're liking it is really really good you can follow mm-hmm. us on our twitter and instagram which is at hawkins podcast mm-hmm. and discuss with us on there and mm-hmm. yeah that was episode five and we will see you next week for mm-hmm. episode six talking about more of the characters there we go <laughs> okay thank you guys and we will talk to you next time bye